1: Well, we're glad March has arrived, and good riddance to February, which was one of the snowiest months in New England history, so uh, that month couldn't end fast enough, to say the least. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, in a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Well, my highlight of this week is, yeah, is the contract extension the other day signed by Tom Brady, which will keep him ostensibly in a Patriot uniform till age 40. It was a three-year extension to go on to his existing two years left on his current contract. And, uh, you know, it's just great news. It looks like it has uh, set off a spate of other uh, restructuring of contracts, such as Ben Roethlisberger, uh, down with the Steelers. But it's just great to see, you know, as my listeners know, as you all know, I'm a 20-year Patriot season ticket holder, and the last decade plus has just been uh, as good as it gets in the world of sports, especially from a season ticket holder perspective. I'm here located 20 minutes from Gillette Stadium, (laughs) and just thrilled to know that uh, Tom Brady, one of the greatest ever to play the game, uh, probably going to get to watch him for another five years, and it uh, keeps the value of the tickets up, shall we say, as a season ticket holder. And uh, one of the first things I thought of was uh, when Brady went down in the first quarter of the first game in 2008, with the knee injury, courtesy of Bernard Pollard, then of the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, immediately the, quote, value of the tickets went down. Uh, The whole just uh, cachet associated with being a Patriots season ticket holder just absolutely plummeted overnight. I remember the next day, just uh, everything just seemed so different like it had changed. And, again, we're just so lucky up here in New England. uh, The last two years, I got what my objective is every year as a season ticket holder, what my goal is, or shall we say, you know, the pass-fail system. uh, They've passed with ringing colors, which is you get two playoff games at home. And when, uh, in each of the past two years, that has also been an AFC championship game. Uh, I've been to four, maybe five AFC championship games, again, 20 minutes from where I live. And it just doesn't get any better than that. And then just to Brady. uh, He came out yesterday, said he was not going to talk about it, uh, that, you know, in these still tough economic times, that, uh, you know, it's not what people want to hear. And he's absolutely right. It it isn't what people want to hear, meaning athletes talking about Uh, the millions they make, even if it's in this case going to be less millions than Brady's market value. But, you know, we're just lucky to have him up here. Uh, It's been amazing to watch his career, uh, to say the least. Uh, From the sixth round draft pick, 199th player chosen. I've been there every step along the way. I remember literally uh, the day he First came into a Patriot game, which was, of course, when Mo Lewis decked Drew Bledsoe. It happened right in front of me in the old Gillette, uh, the old, not Gillette then, uh, the old Foxborough Stadium. Brady came in and he nearly pulled that game out. And then the very next week, a lot of people forget this, he came in. uh, They were playing the San Diego Chargers at home. We're going back to the year, I think, 2000, 2001, and just lit it up. And that was it. Little did we know, little could anyone have foreseen what that was the beginning of, but uh, again, it's just been an unbelievable ride, and to know that the ride is going to continue is just uh, a wonderful thing uh, for people up here in New England, and uh, again, Brady is just something special in every way, on the field, off the field. I've had some encounters with him, uh, covering the Patriots, and he has always been nothing but sincere, has always impressed me, uh, in his just personal dealings with the media. I've been part of many media hordes at Gillette Stadium, at training camps, what have you, and, uh, again, the man just never fails to impress, and he's done it yet again by, uh, Restructuring his contract, clearly coming in below market value, although it must be said he's getting more guaranteed money, which to me, I think is a pretty good deal from his point of view as well. So it's a win-win. It seems like it should enable the Patriots to bring in better players, which is really at the core of all this, and uh, stay competitive for the next uh, five years at least. Well, my low light of the week is the crash last saturday at daytona international speedway uh the day before the great american race it was uh just a horrific thing to see to say the least it almost defied gravity the way that those tires could and some of the other debris from the car could get up and over that curved fence the where the top of it curves out onto the track it just seems like uh you know, again, it would be impossible for that to happen, but yet it happened. And so no blame to NASCAR or Daytona on this. They, uh, you know, they have the fences built in a way that it would seem, again, impossible for debris or whatever to go flying into the crowd, but it did happen. So uh, I'd like to think that they'll work on making it even safer in the coming coming years, if not the next year, and uh, there were some crazy stories coming out about uh, NASCAR officials in the immediate aftermath trying to cover it up, but uh, who knows, you know, what's behind all that, or if it's true, but uh, it sounded pretty bizarre, to say the least, and uh, speaking of bizarre, my bizarre news item of the week just happened within the past couple of hours, which is golfer Rory McIlroy, the number one ranked golfer in the world, walking off the course after nine holes at the Honda Classic down in Florida, Palm Beach Gardens. And uh, just shocking, uh, the statement he released is that he's having wisdom teeth problems and that he has a uh, procedure scheduled to, I assume, have them removed. <laughs> But, uh, <clears throat> again, just bizarre. Uh, after just lighting it up last year to become the number one golfer in the world, and I got to, had the pleasure to watch him up close and personal at the Deutsche Bank Golf Championship. Uh, you know, and I was very impressed with his demeanor and, obviously, his game. Uh, he's just having the exact opposite kind of year this year. He just seemed to you cannot seem to get out of his own way. He was at seven over par when he walked off the course today, this morning. Uh, he was not gonna make the cut. And uh but again, anytime you see this it just has to be uh you know really odd to say the least. Uh tough to say what's happening with him. Uh as we all know he with Nike he's been working on some new clubs apparently hasn't been too happy Um, you know he's had quite the off season as it were for in the world of golf Um, from getting bounced last week in the match play championship to again the new contract with Nike which has brought along with it new equipment which apparently is not agreeing with him very well and uh, so yeah Yeah, it's just been a very, very strange beginning to this year for Rory, and, uh, but nothing, nothing as strange as this, to say the least. Uh, let's hope it only is the wisdom teeth, nothing deeper, nothing, uh, to indicate, uh, you know, that this is going to become, uh, some type of abnormal behavior, what have you, uh. It's just one of those things. Uh, we've all had the wisdom teeth uh, issues, uh, many of us in <laughs> in our past, and it is no fun. So, if that's all, let's hope that's all it is. That he recovers and he's back on the course next week. So, with that said, as my former co-host Lemont Williams from outside the huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills. So, let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert. Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department.
3: Your Internet flagship station for sports, Voice of America Sports. Time 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel.
2: The job of a professional athlete is never complete. Back to
1: the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. And Barry, how are you doing today? Hi, John. How are you? Doing great. How about yourself?
4: Excellent. Thank you.
1: That's Thanks good. for having thank me, as always. Well, good. Thank you for calling in, as always. And, uh, Barry, we haven't had a chance to talk a whole lot of hockey yet this year, given the lockout, obviously, and the season getting a late start. But there is one amazing story going on in hockey, which is simply the uh, – Chicago Blackhawks, who have not lost a game yet, amazing, and uh, they basically have won 17 and went into overtime on three, so they're 17-0-3. It's a record, and so it's just amazing. Uh, I know you're a hockey guy, so love to hear your take on what the Blackhawks are doing.
4: It really is incredible, you know. I mean, it's something that's never been done before, right? I mean, you know, twenty, you know, going twenty games without a loss in in regulation—that's that's never happened before. So, you know, and and the funny thing is, you know, usually you have uh, have a hot, you know, one hot goalie who leads the team with, and uh you know, when a, when a hockey team is really on a roll, you go with one guy. But but the the uh, the Blackhawks are a team that pretty much splits their goaltending dues between uh, Ray Emery and Mark Crawford. So. Um, that's kind of interesting that neither one of them has lost as lost the game of regulation yet. They pretty much split the duties there. Um in fact last night when they beat the Blues uh to win their seventeenth game, uh Crawford got hurt early in the game and emery came in to relieve him and you know, it coming off the bench being called it didn't matter. They still beat the blues and they still kept that streak going. So, you know, it's um it's really a testament to, you know, to so the guys in that team and it's just uh, you know, it's, it's, it's you know when you have these kind of things come across, it's it's fun to watch. You know, yeah, you know that's going to end sometime. You know, nobody's going to see it through a whole season. That's the wrap, either obviously. But you know, to kind of see what what they've been able to accomplish so far, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. And it's just kind of you know, unless you're a you're a fan of a of team in their division, or if you're a a, 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 a hater for whatever reason you might be. Um, you know if you're a casual fan or a hockey fan or a sports fan in general you know, I think in these situations you kind of want to see how long they can do it you know because it is it's, it's a big story and you know that's like anything else like any other kind of streak you know it's, it's uh it kind of uh, the longer it goes the more interesting and more captivating it gets so uh hopefully they can uh, they can just keep it going and uh, people keep talking about it
1: yes well you know it reminds me a little bit of uh the Detroit Tigers back in, like, 19, I think, 84, 85, if I'm not mistaken. Started off the season something that sounds 30, 30, like, you know, 25-2. and, and five, two.
4: Something like that, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And that was that great team. They did win the World Series. That was that great team with Kirk Gibson, among many others, but uh, Alan Trammell and the like. But, uh, yeah, it's always fun when a team gets off to, you know, a start like this. Uh You know, the NFL has had, of course, uh, a few teams go undefeated deep into the season, although they have not won the Super Bowl in recent years when that has happened. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, the Blackhawks, let's not forget, it was only a couple years ago that they won the Stanley Cup. And uh, I've always watched them closer than other teams because, as you may remember, uh, Chris Venti, former... Backup goaltender at, with Boston College's national championship teams is very who I've had on the show as a guest after BC won their most recent title last year. Uh, very good friends with Jimmy Hayes, uh, who plays for the Blackhawks. So uh, the Blackhawks have been on my radar screen for a couple of years. Number one, I think they have the best logo in all of sports. I really believe that. I love that Indian head. I, was and, sure. I heard-
4: yeah, I was actually going to mention that they have one of the one of the best <clears throat> uh, best uniforms in
1: sports. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, no question, no question. They're just dynamic and Chicago's just a great sports town. I mean, you know, I have no ties to Chicago per se, but I always love when their teams are doing well. The Bears, the Blackhawks, even even the Cubs, although it's been a few years for them obviously, and uh and the Bulls. Yeah, it's right. just a great uh With the Bulls, I went back. uh, Norm Van Leer, star player for the Chicago Bulls back in the day with Jerry Sloan, Chet Walker, Bob Love, the great team. Uh, He played at my college, St. Francis University of Pennsylvania. So, uh, yeah. So, again, I always seem to just be tuned in on the Chicago front. Uh, But, yeah, now the Bruins, they obviously won the Stanley Cup two years ago, and uh, they are off to a very good start, too. It's obviously everybody's good start is being lost to the Blackhawks' great start, but uh, the Bruins are showing that championship look again. Um, Have to be impressed. I mean, Chara, Zdeno Chara, put on a move that was just unbelievable, where he pirouetted on the ice and then uh, scored. It was just an amazing move for anybody, but... For someone 6'9", utterly unheard of. Yeah, it's hard to do,
4: right? And you know, the thing is, too, with the NHL, the way it's up this year, because of the lockout, lockout, because of the short schedule, I mean, these great starts are that much more important because you just don't have – there just isn't as much time for other teams to, to catch you. Conversely, if you're a team off to, off to a bad start, you know, in the past, you know, if you're, you know, 20 into the season, it's like, well, you know – to get together, we have time to deal. We work out can straighten this out. But you know, now 20 games—you're almost at the halfway point. So it's a, it's a lot different dynamic this year than it has been in the past. So these teams like the Blackhawks, like the Bruins, that have gotten off to really strong, quick starts—they carry you know much more meaning this year than they do in a normal NHL season.
1: Oh, absolutely! And another team that's off to a good start is uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm-hmm. with uh, Sidney Crosby, looks to be finally back to form. I think that's been getting lost a little bit. You know, he obviously sat out the majority of last season, finally made it back for the playoffs, and, and looked okay, uh, but still not, you know, but not for him. I mean, he was still probably the best player on the ice, even when he returned and uh, from his concussion in the postseason. But, again, uh he do, he he looks to have that totally behind him for now, but yet his teammate Evgeny Malkin, the other superstar with the Penguins, uh, he went down with concussion symptoms uh, just the, just this week. So, but nonetheless, the Penguins are uh, looking like again one of the short list of quality teams in the NHL, and uh, you know one one I would love to see, and I wanted to see it each of the last couple of years. It hasn't happened, but. Uh, I'd like to see the Penguins and the Ruins go at it in the playoffs. I think that would be a fabulous series. Yeah, it would be a lot of fun.
4: And, you know, the thing about Crosby, too, and, you know, as you mentioned, you know, it, it's very heartening to see him playing at the level he's playing, given the health issues he's had the past couple of seasons. I mean, that's, that's great for the NHL. And it's great for it's great for, for us sports fans. But, you know, the interesting thing about Crosby start is, you know, you're talking about a 48-game season. He's He can – He's he's on the part of to hit, hit hundred points in a forty-eight game season, which is incredible. You know, so uh, you know that's something we can keep our eyes on as well. You know, again, you know, in the short season, everything's magnified, and you know, for, for him to be accomplishing what he's what he's been able to do, it's just a, it's a terrific story. You know, that we 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 as you mentioned, we do tend to give hockey a little, little short trip there on occasion, not just us, but you know, media in general, because you know, let's face it, you, know, you have the NFL. You have the NBA, you have, uh, uh, you know, baseball and, and college sports. And, you know, sometimes hockey gets a little short-changed. But I've always been a huge hockey fan. I know, I know you are, too. Just, for instance, I, I, I love watching hockey. So, you know, it's, it's fun to kind of see all, all these dynamics taking place in this season. And it kind of reminds me of... Uh, of last year, you know, the NBA and their lockout season, how I, we, we, agreed, and we talked about this on the show too. That just made for a magnificent regular season. I mean, you know, we, we talked about this in the past too. I mean, I think you can make a case for, you know, they'll never go for it, but, you know, uh, you know, shortening the season, getting it from meaningful, you know, having less teams make the playoffs. I mean, anything you can do to make the regular season more important, I, I think is great because, you know, it just, it just, Heightens the level, heightens the intensity. You know, instead of just kind of, you know, kind of going through the motions until the playoffs. You know, now you have a regular season as you had in the NBA last year, as you have the NHL this year. That makes it really significant, really crucial. Every game is so much more important. And for a fan, I mean, you, you can't ask for more than that if you're a sports fan. You so know, you want your teams to play games that matter. You want to watch games that matter. You know, as a consumer, just a the business sense. If you're paying all the money you pay. To go to these games, you know, to buy the concessions, to park, just for the ticket prices themselves. To take your family to a game, you want it. You want you want to know that the players are giving their all. The players aren't just mailing it down that particular night. And I think one insurance against that is these shortened seasons. And you know, I think uh, again, as we've seen last year at the NBA, as we're seeing this year at the NHL, it's making for a really compelling, uh, interesting, and really terrific regular season.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, and on that note, you and I talked uh, recently about college ba- basketball season, and we're both in agreement that, you know, it's just too long, there's too many games this time of year that are meaningless, and we're all just sitting around waiting for, you know, Selection Sunday. And But I will say... You know, now and again, you do get those games that are noteworthy, and I just happened to tune in uh, late in the game to the Minnesota upset uh, over Indiana this week, which was, uh, you know, fun to watch because it was watching a venue, watching a game from a different venue than I'm used to. Meaning Minnesota didn't know much about their arena or their program, quite frankly. But it's the first time they've beaten a number one team since, like, the 1980s. Their arena is called The Barn, a well-deserved moniker. It looks like a barn, but it was, like, a cool barn. Anyway, major court storming, as you can well expect. That's become the norm. And last night, uh, Virginia beat Duke, prompting another court storming, and more importantly, prompting... uh, coach Mike Krzyzewski, the winningest coach in college basketball history to come out and talk about court stormings, uh, you know, and apparently he said something to a fan on the way out, uh, shocking in and of itself. But then he spoke about how basically his team, which is, you know, when somebody beats Duke on the road, there's a court storming period because they're Duke. So he sees it more than most and, he talked about how dangerous they can be for the other team. And then, of course, we had the incident a couple weeks ago when North Carolina State, when a kid was out there in a wheelchair and almost got trampled. I've witnessed a court storming myself. It's pretty crazy. But uh, what are your thoughts on that topic, since it seems to be trending pretty heavily today?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think when when, when Coach K talks, I think you know, he's one of those guys that when he talks, everybody listens. Because he yes. commands the, the respect of, of everybody in the game, um, you know, it's 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 kind of hard to mess with tradition. I think in sports, and you know, court storming obviously is tradition. But you know, I think part of the part of part of it to now is, you know, you have so many games that are, that are televised. So many games are on TV, and pretty much every major college basketball game is on TV somewhere today, right? So. Right, yeah, I think you. I think you have that in the back of your mind. If you're, if you're a student say, uh if you're a student at of Virginia or a, of a school that's playing, playing, playing somebody like Duke or Indiana or anybody like that, and you win, you're playing up You happen to be playing on their home. If you win, you're thinking, let's hey, maybe I'll get on TV. You know, maybe, maybe my, my mom or maybe my friends back home will see me. I have a sign or something. And you know, if you're a kid, you know, as we all know, we were all kids once. You know, we when sure. when were a 22 year old kid. Indestructible. You never think anything's going to happen to you ever. So you know you have all these kids running out on the court, but you know Coach K's right. right. Like you know, what if somebody gets hurt? What if one of my players gets hurt? What if what if one of these uh, some kid either runs into one of my players, injures them? Uh, you know, what if some kid gets injured by one of my players accidentally? You know, you you have it, it, it can open a, open up a whole Pandora's box of, of problems, and you know that's that's kind of the way we, we, we live. You know, we're always trying to prevent, you know, prevent these types of things from happening, and you know, and you know, and I, I understand that, that you know, it, it, the spontaneity, the moments, the excitement—that you know, these things do happen. But you know, I, I think we'd be wise to, you know, to listen to what Coach K has to say, and, and maybe, you know, take it a little step further. You know, let's come up with some some suggestions. You know, do, do you really want to go the route of of what the SEC has done, and, and in, in essentially banning on-court celebrations, essentially banning court storming by finding the home, so by finding uh, you know the home teams. You re- I don't know if you really want to go that far, but I'd like to think that there is a middle ground that can be discussed. That maybe some some uh, sensible, uh, some sensible speech, some uh, sensible discussion, um, understanding the issue, maybe finding finding a compromise somewhere where we can kind of either. Know, maybe limit the court storm, or maybe you know keep, wait until the teams are off the court. That's something of, that's that's kind of being discussed throughout this, this whole thing. Uh, you know, give it, You know, wait till, at least wait until the teams are off the court, then you know do what you want. But again, that doesn't eliminate the possibility of you know saying you know, you know that situation with the kid in the wheelchair, maybe something happening to him, because you're still going to have those circumstances. Basically, you want to make sure everyone who goes to a game, safe, you know, has a good time. Enjoys themselves. At the same time, you know, that would minimize you know any kind of you know really uh, bad situation because you know it, it happens. You know when when you, we've seen rock concerts in the past when you know, when, when they're when people storm a stage or people storm you know whatever they do, you know, people can get, get can get hurt, people can get trampled, and anything could happen. You know you might be talking you know this type of situation. Maybe a, 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 a little kid. Like, you never know. Whoever is at the game, things can happen. So, you know, I, I think it's worth having a discussion. I don't know that, that you wouldn't really want to mention you know, the extent of the SEC is done, but I think it's something that needs to be discussed. And you know, uh, I think it's great that that Coach K is the guy that's kind of taking the taking the stage for this thing. And uh, you know, as we said before, you know, Coach K is the kind of guy that you know, he has something to say. People will will, will take pause and give some thoughts.
1: Well, absolutely, Barry. And uh, he specifically said, and this is what I think is the, the the main issue. He said, you know, somebody's going to, you know, the losing team, in this case, Duke. Uh, you know, a player or even Coach K is going to say something. It's inevitable to happen. Or he's going to get. They're going to get bumped. They're going to react, be it verbally or, you know, even worse, physically. And then they're going to be the bad guy. That's where, that's really where he was coming from, and rightfully so. That will be the story. And it, j- just by coincidence, you know, the other night when I was watching Minnesota upset Indiana, and the the announcers were literally talking about the court storming unfolding before them, and they referenced like a a seventy year old guy like being part of it, you know, and. Mm-hmm. That's just a good example of what can happen. Something bad's going to happen. It just is. One of these days, you know, it's just going to happen. But with that said, uh, time for our break. Barry, I know you're sticking around on the other side, and uh, we'll look forward to talking a little more sports on the, when we get back from the break.
3: Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports.
0: Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins. Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports.
3: This week on the Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented to you by Outdoor Channel. On this week's program, we'll have deer expert Dr. Davis Samuel and shed dog trainer Jeremy Moore. Hey we'll also have deer biologist Grant Woods and the host of the Bucks at Tacamonte, David Morris, when we talk about shed hunting. And it's all brought to you by Outdoor Channel plus Ram Trucks. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. I'm Jim Ferguson. I'll see you on the trail. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports...
1: Wish America listeners, welcome back to Segment 3 of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346 or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And still on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. And, uh, Barry, I was thinking of you last Saturday afternoon when, uh... I just happened to tune into the NFL Combine. Not that I spent a lot of time watching it, and uh, I'm not that bad yet. But uh, they said, you know, Manti Teo was going to speak. So I was going out. I DVR'd it, got back, and wow, as a member of the media like you are, that was a sight to behold just to see them like w- awaiting his arrival at the podium, and just showing that room, uh, as someone who covers the NFL, I recognize a whole lot of faces, I mean, there was a, a few hundred, at least, awaiting Manti Te'o's arrival at the podium, and it was, for me, you know, for a member of the media, it was riveting, it was Teow's first appearance before the media in an unfiltered way, meaning not one-on-one with Katie Cork, so to speak, and, uh... I, you know, I thought he did pretty well, but I, I still come back to the original question I asked the week the scandal broke. I asked it right on this show, which is if I'm an NFL general manager, I'm asking him, the first question I'm asking him is, how can you call someone you've never met the love of your life? Which to me gets right to the core of, like, judgment. And so, he, you know, he never answered, he has yet to answer that question. That, that were nippling around the edges of that question that never really got, you know, posed head-on. Head so did you happen to see any highlights of that or be happy to watch I,
4: did, I did not, but, you know, you know we, we, we've talked about this before, right? It's just like, you know, as this thing was 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 unraveling, and as this thing, as we were, you know, learning more and more about, you know, what really happened here or what we think may have happened, we still don't know a lot of the truth. But, um, you know, it, it has to, it has to really make a lot of teams pause. And I mean, we, you, you, we, as we know, as we've discussed many times, you know, when, when a team is, when an NFL team is, is considering, uh, drafting a player, you know, they want to know everything there is to know about this guy. I mean, they want to know that, you know, want to know about his past, about his, 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 you know, his his morals and ethics, how he conducts himself, how he lives as a person, all of this because it's all important. Because you know, you, you, you don't want any surprises if you're if you're an NFL team or a team in any sport really. You want to be able to you know have the research, do the due diligence on these players um, because you know some of them some of them have di- they all have different backgrounds. They all come from different places and they all you know, conduct themselves very differently. And it's up to the, the team to do their due diligence and make sure that they're, they're drafting somebody who's going to fit into the culture of their team, who's going to handle themselves in a professional manner, because let's you it, you're not going to be in college anymore, you're going to be in the pros, you're going to, that's going to be your, your livelihood, it's going to be your, your, your way of life, it's going to be the way you, you make money, your profession. So, you know, you, the, 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 the people that are going to be paying you have to be sure that you're going to represent that organization, you know, in the way that that they would expect you to. So, you know, I, and I don't blame teams for for wanting to know about what's going on in, in, in Monte Teo's head or anybody's head for that matter. So, you know, I I think it's a big business. There's a lot of money involved, as we know, and you want to make sure that you're 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 investing that money wisely in a player that's that's going to play well and you know make your organization proud. So. You know, I, I think the teams have every right to, to, to ask these type of questions and to, to really try to get to the, to the bottom of all this. And, you know, I think, you know, when he's in meetings with, with the teams, you know, as he's going to be, um, you know, he has to really come clean. And because if he doesn't, it's going to hurt his draft standing. And, you know, listen, will he get drafted by somebody somewhere? Yes, of course he will. But, you know, uh, I, I think a lot, of, a lot of what's been going on with him you know, it's gonna cost him draft status, it's gonna cost him money, it's gonna cost him reputation. And uh, you know, I think it's a long it's a long road for him. It's not gonna be easy. But uh, you know, somewhere along the line someone will draft him. You know, not necessarily a first round or maybe even not even the second round. But you know, somebody will take him at some point and uh you know, and he'll be expected to conduct himself uh as professional and uh you know, we'll we'll kind of see how it shakes out. It'll be interesting to see how much this will hurt him, and I, I, I really think it will. I really think it will hurt him a lot. So, um, you know, he, he could have been a, you know, a shoe-in first-round draft pick, maybe a top-ten, top-five pick, but I think the, the, the thought of, of that possibility is, is, is long gone.
1: Well, I agree, Barry. I think that, uh, you know, let's go on to the field. His weight was less than, uh, was listed in the program. I think he was at 241, and they he was listed all year at 255. Number one, number two, his forty time was not uh, not as good as was expected, which then brings to something uh, brings to the forefront what I've been saying all along, his number one attribute, even before the combine and before the incident, uh, the catfishing scheme was obviously his leadership. that was his number one attribute that an intangible. Uh, the moral leader of Notre Dame's undefeated season. And, you know, obviously it all unraveled that night uh, in the Orange Bowl down in Miami, but uh, in the national championship game. But, uh, yeah, I, again, I, I just think he, I, I'm, I'm like you, I think he's going to get drafted in certainly the second, maybe the third round, because unless some team is absolutely positively head over heels in love with him. Um, then why would they draft him? You know, again, his uh, what he did on the field at the Combine was nothing special, so, you know, why wouldn't you just move on to the next guy, given the doubt that exists, given the catfishing scheme? So that's my theory, and, I, you know, I think you and I are both uh, lined up in the same thought process on that one. But another one of our <clears throat> favorite topics, because we were – Live on the air the day it broke was, of course, the Honey, mat, the honey Badger, Tyrone Mathau, LSU, at the Combine. He looked pretty good, did pretty good, uh, seems to be saying all the right things, and uh, that's a player that I actually find more interesting as to where he's going to end up. Uh, you know, there's there's a guy with some real serious baggage, to put it mildly. He, 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 he you know, screwed up a couple of chances, shall we say, uh, but... Performance-wise, on the field, he did pretty well, and again, he seems to be, uh, you, you know, saying all the right things for now.
4: Yeah, it's kind of interesting because you know you, you have two uh, really a parallel, right? You have Monte Payout kind of, you know, going down. You know, the, his his stock is dropping, and um, Teron Matthews' stock seems to be rising, and uh, you know, obviously he has. He, and I think he understands that. You know, he's you know he's made some. Pretty big mistake. He understands that in order to, you know, be the kind of player that people expected him, expected they would be, and to be drafted in a place where a lot of people thought he would be, that he needs to do some damage control. And obviously, he's getting some good advice. You know, maybe Monte Teo is not getting very good advice from the people who are handling him. Um, and it, it seems that uh, that Tyran Matthew is getting some good advice. So, you know, it be kind of interesting to see, you know, the, 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 uh, you know the levels of you know one guy going up, one guy going down uh, with, with with those two players. So yeah, but I agree. I, I think uh, I think the honey badger is a guy that that, that is interest you know, that, that is compelling to a lot of people. And uh, you know we'll we'll see where he winds up, and we'll see how much further his stock can rise.
1: Yes, well you know you talk about a playmaker. There's a playmaker, to put it mildly, and uh, you know. He is again, but you know his baggage is really serious stuff. You know he got thrown off LSU, and then uh, you know he had a relapse, shall we say? And uh, so yeah, yeah, he's just up against it. Uh, so we we we'll wait and see where that happens. But I, now there's somebody I think people would be willing to take a chance on because he is again just a, a total game changer and that said, Barry, believe it or not, we're at the end of our third segment, so we'll take a break and uh, continue on uh, after we're done with our break.
3: Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports.
2: Back to the
1: show, Sports America listeners. Welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And still on the line with us is Barry Rubenstein. And Barry, uh, I know you've seen many, many uh, games in the in Madison Square Garden, the world's most famous arena. I've seen one or two myself back in the day, but what Seth Curry put on a, a show for the ages the other night when he scored fifty-four points. Particularly amazing in that he only had four points in the first quarter, so he scored fifty in the last three. And I don't know when I've enjoyed watching highlights of a basketball game as much as that because I've always liked Curry since his days at Davidson. He led them into the NCA's where he had a tremendous tournament, and he's just a pure shooter. It reminds you going back to the days of you know Rick Mount from Purdue. Uh, uh, as an example, where uh, the Nets just jump on his uh, when he makes his shots, and he was just hitting all kinds of threes. If I'm not mistaken, 11 of 13 from three-point land. Uh, remarkable performance and an all-time great performance in the history of Madison Square Garden.
4: Yeah, it's, it's really something. And, and I think the most amazing thing about about his performance about Steph Curry's performance that the Warriors still lost the game. I mean, you yeah. know, for 54 points, you figure, yeah, know, a pretty good chance your team's going to win, but, but but not that night. I mean, the Knicks got the better of the, the Warriors that night, but then it's just, it's just kind of crazy. I mean, to, to me, a, the, the obvious parallel to me is this was, uh, a game that we've spoken about before. Uh, you know, one of the greatest live sporting events I've ever seen, uh, one of the great exhibitions was, uh, you know, when Michael Jordan scored 55 points against the Knicks at the Garden, uh, during his comeback, um, back when he was wearing number 45 after he came back the first time. And, uh, what an electric night that was. It was just incredible. He had 35 points at halftime. And I remember, you know, thinking, oh, wow, we could see some sort of record tonight at that point. It was just crazy. Uh, everything the guy put up was going in, and the Knicks had no answers for him, and they, they couldn't stop him. And, you know, while, uh, while Curry's, uh, night was interesting in the fact that, that Werner's lost that game, I think the most, the most, the biggest takeaway that I have, the most, the most amazing thing from the Michael Jordan game at the Garden was that the Bulls won the game in the last second basket, but not by Jordan, but by Bill Wennington on an assist from Michael Jordan. So, you know, we talk about your, your ultimate, uh, your ultimate performer, your ultimate, uh, professional, your ultimate teammate. But, you know, what, what a performance that was and what, what an exclamation point it was for someone else to get the winning basket, not you. So just you know, again, you know, we all know how great Michael Jordan was and you know, and what a night that was. That's that that's something I'll never forget watching.
1: Oh, it was just yes, I remember that night while well, I wasn't there, but I do remember it uh vividly and you know, fifty's a magical number, you know. I remember uh obviously speaking of Michael Jordan when he scored sixty three against the Celtics, uh, to basically launch his career uh in a playoff game back in the day and then uh I remember when Larry Bird scored 60 against the Atlanta Hawks like it was yesterday. Um, and it was, uh, you know, you, you just remember that stuff to say the least. Uh, and yeah, what, what Curry did the other night was really, uh, again, something special, especially since, you know, he had doubters coming into the NBA. They just thought he was too small, even though he's, he's the son of a former NBA player. Um, People doubted that he would do it. I had no such doubts. I mean, I just thought he was one of the best pure shooters coming out of college uh, in a long, long time. Plus, again, he led Davidson pretty deep into the NCAA senior year. And, you know, you don't you don't just do that by being a good shooter. I mean, he had a—and by the way, he had a, a very good all-around game the other night when he scored, uh, you know, the 54. I mean, he had a lot of assists, rebounds, all of it. So— he involved his whole team. It wasn't like he, you know, was a ball hog or anything like that. It was really within the flow of the game pretty much. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it was pretty special, to say the least.
4: Yeah, I mean, again, anytime anybody can come in to go on the road, especially at a place like like the Guard, to do that, Yeah, you know, that's, that's, you know, that's been some classic. You know, when you can go into, uh, you know, any, any road venue that, uh, that has you know, the kind of history and you know the kind of reputation that has the Square has hard, as or, you know, like in the day, Boston Garden or Chicago Stadium where he's these arenas or you know so, you know one of your more intimidating places to play. That's that's saying that something. And that's something that you know they'll never be able no one'll be able to take away from them. You know, whatever else he 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 accomplishes uh, in his career or doesn't accomplish you, know, you, say, you don't go back and say, Hey, I scored fifty one night at Madison Square guard. so you know, good, good, good for Steph Curry, and uh, you know, it's it, you know, again, it's, it's reasons like this, things like this that, that we enjoy watching as sports fans, and, and things that will things that will uh, will house uh, the soft things that we'll remember saying.
1: And sticking with the NBA, uh, you're absolutely right. That's something he can say the rest of his life, and not too many people can say it. And also. Again, speaking of the NBA, Curry will be playing tonight in the Boston Garden, so uh, that's a game I'll have to tune in to see if he's going to put up an, put up another performance uh, like he did the other night. But another story in the NBA that I think is frankly just ridiculous is that LeBron James's pregame dunking routine, which I've had the good fortune to witness, is suddenly being called into question in a way that, like, well, if he does this before a game, he should be in the dunk contest, almost as if it's being treated like a negative, which I find absolutely ridiculous. We're down under three minutes, but I wanted to just get your take on the haters out there who are, who, who are on LeBron for this. I mean, the, the guy just – people get on him for everything under the sun. It's just ridiculous.
4: Yeah, they do, and you know, and I think he's done. You know, ever since the, yeah, you know, this is something we've talked about on the show many times too, right? I mean, I think his low point was probably the decision. and, oh, yeah. You know, I I think that was that was handled badly in in, in, every, in just about every every PR practical sense. That was just just, just, just poorly executed uh in, in 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 all ways. But I think since then, since he has won a championship uh, with Miami, uh, since he's he's. Uh, gotten to, to himself that level of being an elite player in the league, you know, he's, I think he's corrected a lot of that. And you know, he's one of those guys that people are going to be on him, you know, for, for for as you mentioned, pretty much anything, right? I mean, you know, if you look at the Miami Heat, and they're they're kind of like uh, to me, they're kind of like the Dallas Cowboys of, of the NFL, right? I mean, people either love them or they hate them. There's no no, no real middle ground there, you know, uh, kind of the American team of the NBA. And you know, a lot of people are going to, are going to love that, and a lot of people aren't, and that, that, that's just the way it is. And you know, like you said, people will find a reason to get on him for, for just about anything, and they're, they're they're doing it now. With, with the whole uh, whole dunk situation. You know, listen. I mean, I, I think I think the end. I think the dunk contest needs to have more stars in it. I, I've always felt that. You know, when you start having players, because let's face it, everybody in the NBA is dunk, right? But you know, it, it has to be something that people will want to see. You know, and, you know, I don't know that people really, you know, want to see some of these guys that are in it now, you know, winning the dunk contest. They'd rather see the stars dunking. So, you know, they want you know, the Dominique Wilkins from back in the day. You know, I, I think that's what people would want to see. I mean, basically, when Jordan was playing, he probably could have won the dunk contest every year he was in it. But, you know, you want to spread it around and give other people a chance to understand that. But I, I, think, I think the people that are in it, you know, maybe playing from the future, it needs to be a situation where at least you have some main players in the dunk contest. At least people people will recognize that people will get behind, you know.
1: Absolutely, Barry. And, uh, yeah, again, I think it's a great thing that he does. I mean, you know, it allows people to watch him use his amazing athletic ability, you know, before many, many, many games. And, you know, it's just a real treat. And, uh, so how, how people can get on him for this, you know, or somehow, you know, you know make the jump that it, this somehow connects to the NBA dunk contest is to me just ridiculous, especially since it's a year, almost a year away. They just had the all-star game with the dunk contest a couple weeks ago. So <coughs> anyway, Barry, I want to thank you for joining us. Hard to believe we're at the close of another show. Great job today, as always.
4: Thanks for
1: having me, as always. Our, our pleasure, and Voice of America listeners, thank you for tuning in, and we uh, look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern time.